News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, the Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Yes, Jason, thank you for the email. He wants to know, what did Jeff Jackson say? <laughs> I, I'm getting to it. It is up next, I promise. I've got three clips, but you can actually listen on, I mean, it's up on WBT.com and the, the podcast for Bo's show. I think this was Friday's show. He re-aired it again today. So, uh, or you could just like stay tuned because I've got it broken down into a couple chunks and we're going to take a listen to the chunks. Not, no, wait, wait, sorry. Two of them are raw. No, what do you call them? Bulk. Bulk. He's got, producer Ryan has a whole vocabulary for the lengths. I just, I say clips and then give you the time code. Um, all right. So this is from Charles C.W. Cook. Real quick. You could tell a Democrat is president because we are now starting to see the pieces blaming us for his mistakes. Right. In the Atlantic a couple of weeks ago, Tom Nichols, who I mentioned earlier, Tom Nichols wrote that Afghanistan is your fault. American citizens, Nichols suggested, will separate into their usual camps and then identify all of the obvious causes and culprits except one, except for one, which is themselves. Okay, so that's, that was Tom Nichols. Then today, Max Boot makes the same argument in the Washington Post. Who's to blame for the deaths of 13 service members in Kabul? The answer, we all are. This is uh, of a piece with the tendency of journalists and historians to start muttering about how the presidency is just too big for one man when the bad president in question is a Democrat. See, under these terms, Republicans just aren't up to the job, while Democrats are the victims of design or modernity or of the public being feckless. Still, this happened pretty quickly with Joe Biden. It usually takes a couple of years before we get to this stage <laughs> where they're saying, maybe nobody could be president. It's just too hard of a job. When it's a Republican in office, though, it's they obviously stink at presidenting. So State Senator Jeff Jackson from Mecklenburg County, he's a Democrat, and he was on uh, Bo Thompson's morning show on WBT last week. And... Let me see here. I got to make sure I'm playing the right clip. There we go. All right. Um, he, oh, and uh, Bo had as a co-host uh, Beth Troutman, and she started off the questioning of Senator Jackson, who, by the way, is running for U.S. Senate. He, he wants to go from state Senate to U.S. Senate, and um, he uh, or she, uh, Beth Troutman, asked, "Did Team Biden flunk Evacuation 101?" <laughs> Which to anybody with eyes, seems pretty obvious that they don't know what they're doing. So she asks uh, Jeff Jackson about that and whether he agrees with sort of that assessment. What's his take? What's the mood? I just think we should be a little bit more specific about the mistakes that were made. Mm -hmm. It's very clear that mistakes were made here. I think everybody agrees. I think there are three big ones. The first was the previous administration basically shut down the special immigrant visa program, which was created about 10 years ago for the express purpose of getting people who helped us in Afghanistan, like interpreters, like the one that I had over there, who was absolutely indispensable for the purpose of getting them out of the country. And the previous administration pretty much shut that program down, which created an enormous backlog of interpreters 
and their families who needed to get out of the country. So when the new administration came in, there were 17,000 people on that wait list who needed to be evacuated. Since then, it went from 17,000 to 18,000. The reason we have to uh, stage such a large-scale evacuation is because of that enormous backlog that grew, because that issue was conflated with other anti-immigration rhetoric having to do with the southern border, frankly. It didn't have anything to do with the program in and of itself. Okay, so let's take a look at this. This is actually a talking point that the administration is running, and obviously Jeff Jackson has gotten it. This is what Jake Sullivan said as well. He's the spokesperson for the, uh, for the State Department. He was asked whether the administration regrets not moving quicker to evacuate more Afghan civilians. And his, his response, uh, he acknowledged that the SIV program was not intended for mass evacuation purposes, which is pretty important, right? It's not, it wasn't intended for this mass exfil uh, program. But he claimed that the Trump administration left a backlog, which set the Biden administration back nonetheless. So once again, it's all Trump's fault. He said, when we took office in January, the Trump administration had not processed a single SIV, the special immigrant visa, since March of 2020 in nearly a year. This is from CNN. Facts first. Quote, this is incorrect. Between March 2020 and the end of December 2020, so you're talking, what, nine months, at least 523 Afghan SIVs were issued. That being said, the Biden administration did inherit a significant backlog of SIV applicants, more than 17,000, due in part to policies enacted under the Trump administration, which slowed down the SIV review process. But it's not completely, the backlog is not completely due to Trump. The White House told CNN that Sullivan was referring to the Trump administration stopping the in-person interviews in Kabul which is a mandated part of the SIV process, even though State Department reports indicate that there were no visa interviews conducted at the embassy from March of 2020 through the end of December 2020. Visa applications of those who had already been interviewed were still processed. The backlog existed beforehand. There were relatively few interviews in that quarter, in the, in the uh, yeah, in this quarter, because the U.S. Embassy in Kabul was closed for in-person visa services. Do you know why? Do you know why the embassy got closed? Want to take a guess? COVID. Yeah, COVID. COVID didn't, nobody could meet in person. Here are the numbers. During the Obama administration, 2009, there were 3,600 plus SIVs issued. 3,600. Under Trump, the next uh, in in 2018, it was down to about 1,600. That went up to 2,300 in 2019, and about 1,800 in 2020. So they were still doing these SIVs. They did not accumulate a 17 to 18,000 case backlog just because of Trump. So that's just one. Maybe I'm nitpicking that there was a bit of a backlog, but it was pre-existing. It wasn't all Trump's fault. But that's the first reason. That Jeff Jackson stated. Mm-hmm. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So Friday morning, I believe it was, State Senator Jeff Jackson from Mecklenburg County, Democrat running for U.S. Senate, 
uh, was on with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman on uh, WBT in their morning show and uh, in Bo's morning show. And uh, Beth was sitting in as a co-host and uh, he was asked by Beth Troutman, uh, did team Biden basically flunk evacuation 101? And uh, he said, you know, number one, well, there are three mistakes that are made. And number one, you know, most of it's Donald Trump's fault, which, you know, he's a Democrat. He's got to say it, whatever. Uh, I'm not convinced that it's accurate. I'm sure Trump played a role just like every other president uh, since, well, I mean, every other, what, Bush and Obama and Biden and Trump. Like, everybody has played a role. All the presidents played a role. True. But only one of them has been overseeing the evacuation, right? Only one. So, three mistakes, he said. Number one was Trump and um, uh, the the SIV program uh, and how he had, you know, tried to shut it all down, even though SIVs were in fact getting processed. Um, all right. So what are the, uh, what are the other two? Here's Jeff Jackson again from WBT. What Friday? Maybe at some point we're going to hear it. Maybe play. The second mistake hey. was this administration's decision not to more highly prioritize reopening that program, the special immigrant visa oh. program. And the third mistake was military leadership's mistake with respect to transferring Bagram Airfield. Bagram was the largest military base in the country. Um, it was the most fortified area. If you were going to stage a large-scale evacuation, it was going to happen from Bagram. The Kabul airport is less defensible. It only has one air, uh, airstrip, whereas uh, Bagram had two airstrips. So I think those three things are the largest three contributing factors to what we're seeing in Afghanistan right now. Senator Jackson, we are uh, two weeks tomorrow away from September 11th, the 20th anniversary. Uh, now that, And I, I, I'm especially interested in your answer to this because you spent time in Afghanistan. You, you know better than most what it's like over there. Uh, we're, we're seeing and hearing about the negotiations, quote-unquote, with the Taliban, uh, now ISIS-K, and, and how they're navigating through this. When you uh, watch what's happening there, how worried are you about ISIS as a threat now, as we get closer to this, uh, this unbelievable anniversary, uh, the southern border. Uh, what are you concerned about most now going forward? We've seen what happened yesterday. There are all kinds of indications that it's not over. Uh, what's your level of concern? My biggest concern is that we won't respond with intelligence. My yeah. biggest concern is that we'll be baited into responding out of anger. I think in, after September 11th, we did the right thing as far as targeting al-Qaeda. We were incredibly furious with them. I think that there were some political actors who used our anger at al-Qaeda to expand the scope of our mission. Two trillion dollars later, 2,500 American lives later, we are just now leaving Afghanistan when it turns out the real mission there was over around 2002-2003. I served from 2005 to 2006. I had no idea at the time, but the mission was over. All right. So his biggest concern there is Republicans. Again, like, dude, really? Like, your biggest concern is that this gets turned into another war in Iraq? Really? That's your biggest concern? Watching over the last, because this was Friday, the attack happened a day before, and his biggest concern is another Iraq. Okay. At that point, I think we all acknowledge that now, given how swiftly the Afghan army collapsed or evaporated. So what I don't want 
is for political actors to try and use this moment to get people angry in order to set foreign policy by way of anger. Let's use intelligence. Afghanistan is a desert, landlocked country on the other side of the earth. We actually have no core strategic concerns apart from its ability to harbor terrorists who might be able to project terrorism. That we do have a national interest in preventing, and there are things that we can do to do that. It doesn't involve sending tens of thousands of Americans to stay in the desert and patrol the desert year after year after year. Right. Well, okay. So hang on a second. If you're trying to stop terrorists from taking root in an area, I don't know, doesn't it make sense to have some people there to prevent terrorists from taking root in the area, especially if you have a government, I use that term loosely when talking about the Taliban, but when you have a government that is allowing that to occur, right? That was the point. That was the whole point was we said, Hey, Taliban, you've been harboring Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda, you know, turn them over. And they were like, pound sand America. We hate you. And then we were like, all right. And we went in and we deposed the Taliban. And then we kept troops there, which, by the way, uh, like this gets into I understand this gets into a whole uh, into a whole geopolitical argument about being the world's policeman or not. and The cost to that and everything else. I get it. But there is there is something to be said for maintaining a presence in a nation that we have defeated by all intents and purposes. Right. We had defeated the Taliban. So, like, we did it after World War Two. We're still there. Right. We're still in South Korea. Right. We're still in, I'm trying to think of the other, uh, well, I don't know if we're in, we're not in Panama anymore, right? We didn't really, de- we didn't really defeat them. We just kind of overthrew. Anyway, point is, we, uh, you know, we, we stay in these places for a very long period of time afterwards, not as an occupying force, but we were staying there in order to maintain the peace. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. State Senator Jeff Jackson from Mecklenburg County, Democrat running for U.S. Senate. Uh, he's got a primary. He's got a, a couple of, of opponents, Erica Smith and uh, Sherry Beasley. And so Jeff Jackson was on uh, Bo Thompson's show Friday morning talking about Afghanistan. He's an Afghanistan war vet um, and uh, I believe he's a lawyer as well. Uh, but he said there were three big mistakes that have been made as he sees it. Number one, uh, about the Afghanistan withdrawal, he says that uh, you know Trump shut down the SIV program, then that created this massive backlog. That's not really true. The backlog existed before, it, and, the, and there were SIVs being processed during Trump's administration, but that's obviously the talking point. It went out from the State Department as well. The spokesman, Jake Sullivan, said it as well. He got fact-checked by CNN, of all outlets, um, and Andy points out that um, Jake Sullivan was a deputy at State Department when Benghazi happened. So, which, by the way, a lot of these same people are, you know, retreads from the Obama administration. And, you know, honestly, do you think that they may have been a little sensitive to, you know, not being seen as as losing another embassy? Right. OK, so there's that. Uh, also, Andy says if. Uh, if Trump shut down the SIV program, then why were folks processed through the refugee program in October 2020? It's a good question. I suspect that their talking point is not entirely accurate. Um, 
The other mistake, Jeff Jackson said, is that Biden didn't prioritize fixing the SIV program, which, fair enough, right? If he thinks that Trump broke it, why didn't you fix it? Uh, but, you know, there were like seventeen or 18,000 people in this program. You got to vet them all. It's very difficult. And then he said also Bagram should never have been given up. They should have used Bagram for the evacuation, not uh, Hamid Karzai International Airport. He then elaborated on this idea. Oh, and that's what I was saying before the break there, before the newscast, was uh, this idea that America as the world's police force a lot of, you know, conservatives don't like it. The neocons do, but a lot of conservatives, libertarians don't like it. A lot of people on the left don't like this concept. And I understand that. I understand the arguments. I I can argue that both ways, by the way. Um, the question that I always have that I think is incumbent upon somebody when you're in this argument to answer uh, is who then fills the void, right? What nation do you prefer, if not us, because... I mean, history is filled with nations projecting their power beyond their own borders. And if we're not going to do it, fine, um, then, you know, tell me how you see other nations reacting. And I suspect that the nation that fills that void is China. I do. I, I, I don't see any way around that. We're going to watch it happen in Afghanistan, I suspect. Anyway, um, so he then elaborates on this idea that Afghanistan serves no purpose or vital U.S. interest uh, worth us being there to police it in the first place. Again, this is State Senator Jeff Jackson. Go. And play. All you have to do is look at a map of the region. Just look at a topographical map. Take all the political markers off. Take all the the cities, the towns, Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, borders of the country. Just look at a topographical map Mm -hmm. of that region of the the world. Mm -hmm. You've got desert and mountains, mm-hmm. layer, to the two least hospitable forms of terrain layered on top of each other, and it's landlocked. What was the realistic best-case scenario going into this country and trying to turn it into some version of a democracy? How likely was that really? What are our national interests in this part of the world, this small desert on the other side of the world? Exactly what are our national interests other than making sure that people there can't hurt us? Well, there incredibly you, limited. That's there you go. Uh, can't hurt yeah. us. And like yeah. I said, uh, we're, we're uh, two weeks away from uh, 20 years since they did hurt us. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I go back to what we were talking about with our last guest, the the way that President Biden looked last night. I'm curious. Uh, I'm sure you watched that speech. Uh, I would uh, venture to say that the demeanor that he projected uh, was not one of... Uh, America on the offensive, it looked to me like it was America on the defensive. You just look at the body language, don't even listen to what he said, but if you are uh, someone overseas who is looking to do harm to America, uh, do you think that the president projected the proper image last night, and how important is that to you? You're talking about someone's demeanor. I'm talking about the world's strongest military. Anybody who um, makes decisions based on someone's demeanor is going to have a rude awakening when they meet the world's strongest military. Well, with all due respect, no question, with all due respect, I don't think that's true, though. Any commitment made by an American president, we can back that right up. I, well, that, but with all due respect, I think that's the, the sentiment of a lot of people uh, who have, uh, on this radio station at least I've been hearing, uh, that you have someone, we have the capability, of course, nobody argues that. Right. But are we going to do what we should do with that capability, right. or are we going to shrink from that responsibility? 
I don't think you're going to be able to make an argument uh, for that one way or the other based on the demeanor of a president's remarks within 24 hours. I'm, I think that's pretty thin gruel. Uh, I think let's just have a more responsible conversation about policy wow. and not try to base inference on someone's body language. I don't think that's a very helpful approach. Wow. So you have no problem with how President Biden looked and what he said last night? I'm going to focus on policy. See, he I won't say no. Being he said he didn't say no. Do you notice that? He didn't answer the question. Bo asked him, so you have no problem with the way he looked? And Jackson didn't say no. I got no problem with that. He, I mean, this is the thing. Like He's conflating. First off, he's conflating the projection of strength with military capability. And they are different things. That's what Bo was asking him. He says, did he project the proper image? Jackson refused to say no, but he kind of did by shifting the focus to, well, we got a big military. Our military is great. You know, you're focused on this, and I'm going to be responsible. He's basically calling Bo irresponsible for asking about the image of the leader of the free world apparently falling asleep, right? Checking his watch at the Dover Air Force Base. Like, this is the image that this guy is projecting. You don't think? You don't think that that matters at all? You think enemies abroad that are looking at YouTube videos to try to decipher American policy? You don't think that matters? This is disqualifying. This no, this no. What it is is it's political. He's he's not answering the questions being asked. He knows where he's talking. He's on BT, so he knows the audience, and so he's got to he's got to get some flesh for his base. He has to. Smart. We just talked about taking a smart and intelligent approach to forming policy. I think that isn't based on body language and demeanor. I think that's based on what exactly are our national interests, what are our resources, and how can we match those two things. I would encourage you to have a conversation, frankly, that sounds more like that. I think your listeners would really Oh, he's a programming director, too. Sounds like that. Well, I mean, I hope you would appreciate that, uh, that we wanted to have you on the show today. You're here talking about it. You're criticizing the programming decision. Like, you really should talk about it. Dude! You're talking about it right now. He won't come on my show. I don't think he will. I haven't asked. But after this, I don't think he's going to come on my show. Well, there is a last bit here. Let me just finish this. It's like two seconds here. Uh, I do. I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate your perspective, and uh, we hope to have you on again. Thank you. Uh-huh. Spent, like, it, the total interview was like 10 minutes long, I want to say. They spent about eight to nine minutes talking about, like, responsible Questions and answers. And then the very last question is about the projection of strength, right? That's what Bo was asking Jeff Jackson, state senator, and running for U.S. And that's what he's asking about, the projection of strength. And he asked, is that important to you? And what does he get from the candidate? He gets, that basically, that's an irresponsible discussion, and we should really be talking about other things that I find to be more important. Oh, you mean like the stuff you just talked about for eight to nine minutes? But no, you're the programming director here. You're going to be making the decisions about what you cover and how you cover and all that. I know, like, probably Mike, the programming director here, he's probably like, I don't tell people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, like, like, this, like the, the, the kind of guest or people that are like, this is what you really should be covering. You should be talking about it in this way. Right, yeah, I understand why you would want us to talk about you know, this stuff in a way that doesn't call attention to the fact that the leader of your party seems to be falling asleep and, uh, I don't know, inching his way towards dementia. I'm sure you don't want to talk about that. 
Let me go over here to Tom. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, hey. Yeah, I, I listened to that live, and it was, uh, well, the question was, um, at the very end of the question, he said, uh, mentioned the fact that uh, uh, the, the projection and what was being projected, but then he he made it very clear. He said, and how important do you think that perception of projection is? Right. And the guy could have said, well, you know, I don't think it's very important. But right. it was clear that that was not his he, – he probably felt that the interview was winding down, and he wanted to take some jabs uh, at, at uh, Bo, I felt, and he wanted to basically put a thumb in somebody's eye on the, on the station. I think it was his agenda, like, uh, all along. But yeah, probably. The end, he was going to swing a little mud, and he just took that opportunity. Because really what he was – I was listening to him, I'm like, what are you saying? Doesn't even make any sense. He didn't answer the question. <laughs> right. Well, keep in mind also that uh, Bo – I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, of all the people to take a shot at, Bo? <laughs> you go yeah, after Bo Thompson? Like, <laughs> you got a point there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me? I, I understand. Like, I don't want to name anybody else because, like, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But, like, you know what? Yeah, I understand. I mean, I'm the one that videotaped him falling asleep at his uh, – at the marijuana hearing. So, like, I get it, right? But uh, but, but Bo? You're going to go after him? But I think you, I, I think what it is also is that Bo hosted with Pat McCrory, and Pat McCrory was on also on Friday, and Pat McCrory said some stuff that I'm sure Jackson and or his campaign listened to because they uh-huh. that's what they do. They listen to all the stuff so they can pull it out and they could use it in advertisements yeah. and stuff. And so I'm sure that they did that. And exactly. uh, he had it yeah, prepared. and so he was right. Just like when uh, Biden was called out and he's like, oh. It was Stephanopoulos. Oh, that was four days ago. What was it? Like four or five days ago? It's like not even, uh, like almost like last week. It like doesn't even count. Why are you raising your voice? <laughs> you know, right. It's All a right. defensive tactic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tom, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Let me bounce over here to Steve. Hello, Steve. What's up? Hey, Pete. Hey. hey, that was that was really fantastic. That that uh, I want to commend you. That that the, I, there was a fire in your belly there, and uh, and I like that because you you were reflecting what many of us are thinking. Jeff Jackson is a moron, and and we need we need people like you and Bo uh, to to really express what we're what we're thinking and what we're feeling as we hear that stuff. And there's many of us that have that fire. Yeah, I'm a veteran, and I, I served on active duty during wars over in the Middle East. And we're seeing this deception coming from the left, and and you did a really good job there of expressing uh, of that that anger when we hear these deceptive, uh, double speak leftists uh, get away with this nonsense. And so, um, really great job of uh, well, reflecting that that frustration when we have to hear these liberal politicians uh, shuck and jive their way out of questions. I hear you, Steve. I appreciate the call. I am, after all, a giver. So um, it does make a bit of sense. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. What's up, David? Hey, how's it going? Hey. All right. What's yeah, up? I'm getting so tired of hearing about these people act like the cake was already in the oven with the Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, from what I read, Joe Biden made like 60 executive orders his first, first 100 days in office. <laughs> yeah. And I heard like 24 were direct reversals of Trump policies. Right. He was president of the United States. If he, you know, he day one, he could say, you know what, we're going to expand the visa program. We're going to delay withdrawal so we get all our people out of there. He was president. He could mm-hmm. have done that. He had no problem canceling the Keystone Pipeline. He had no problem joining back to, the, I think, what is it, the Paris Climate Accord or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, the critical the race theory stuff in the agencies and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he he reversed a bunch of Ob- of uh, of Trump executive policies or executive orders and policies. Absolutely. He could have done this is his. Like I don't care what happened beforehand. You asked for the job, you got the job. Now do the job. You cannot blame the other administration that came before you because you convinced everybody that they they stunk, right? Like that's the idea of an election. You're like, "Hire me. This guy's terrible." And then you convince enough people that he is terrible and you'll do it better. You get in there, and if you can't do it better, well, well, uh, it's a politician, actually. So, okay, I've just uh, described campaign, a politician. <laughs> you campaign, can you make better decisions? Right, well, that was okay. the promise. Yeah, exactly. That was the promise. Yeah, right. Dave, Thank all right, you. appreciate it. Uh, so this was interesting. I found um, some clips here from uh, one of Jackson's opponents in the Democratic primary is Sherry Beasley, former Chief Justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court. This is WXII, Channel 12 News, um, I believe... Uh, well, I forget where they're out of, but here is the uh, here's the first set of questions from. Well, I don't know the reporter's name. Just roll the tape. Let's see. Or here, maybe at some point today. Is there a significant oh. difference between yourself and your chief opponent, Mr. Jackson? Well, there is. Uh, we're very different people. I've seen laws that have been made in Washington that fail people. And uh, in my experience, running a branch of government and also sitting in a courtroom uh, for that period of time matters. I asked Ms. Beasley to name one issue where she and Jeff Jackson disagree. She did not name a single one. All righty. So he asked, what was the difference between you and Jackson? And she basically says, I, I, I was the chief justice. Okay. Uh, what other policy areas? What other issues? Let's take a listen if it'll play. It's getting slower. Like this computer is getting slower. I didn't think is it was Is there possible. one issue that the significant the difference between you and Mr. Jackson? Well, you know, maybe that's a question for him. Two months what? ago, Ms. Beasley did not provide a definitive answer on the Senate filibuster that's holding up voting reform. That position didn't change today. Have you had any change of heart regarding the filibuster matter? You know, it's a tough issue. So you haven't made up a firm decision <laughs> or you have? HR1, SR1 need to pass. They absolutely do. Um, the filibuster is a much bigger issue. On the issue of <laughs> mandated vaccines, this is how the candidate <laughs> responded. That you believe that we should step in and have government say you will be vaccinated. It was important for me and for my family okay. to be vaccinated and to protect those around us. Yeah, so no answers. So those are your choices, or Erica Smith. Those are your choices in the Democratic primary. Good luck with that. Um, Brett Winterbull Show, coming up next, hosted by Brett Winterbull. We've got a whole thing going on at the station, in case you haven't noticed. All right. Uh, well, yeah, Brett Winterbull, host of Brett Winterbull Show. Pete Callender here. Thanks for hanging out with me. I do appreciate it. News is next on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We'll talk with you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.